Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help. Please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston. This special documentary project, The Search for Well-Being, is supported by the Michelle and David Middleman Family Foundation and a special grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. Well, the way that medicine's currently practiced is profoundly unsatisfying both for patients and doctors. If you have to see a new patient every eight minutes, you don't have time to talk about what's most important. In an age when most medical visits are rushed, the importance of taking time for real communication. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Less than half of the public believes doctors spend enough time with their patients, according to a recent major survey of how Americans view health care. And about two-thirds want their doctor to discuss with them broader health issues, not just a specific medical problem. But in the cost-conscious rules of today's managed care environment, ample time between doctor and patient may be a luxury. And rushed visits to the clinic can lead to unsatisfactory health care. We very often will see people who have already seen 20 doctors have gone through the list of specialists nearly. And because their symptoms don't fit at all into any diagnostic box in, within conventional medicine, they're told, I really can't help you. In San Francisco, physician Rick McKinney is trying to practice a less frantic, more attentive style of health care. He's a clinical professor of medicine at the University of California and a passionate advocate of taking enough time with patients to discover what's really going on. He's able to do so at the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine. One patient who came to see him is Deb Graceffa. She'd experienced a series of extreme symptoms. Uh, the type of vertigo I had, I felt literally like I was at the top of a roller coaster as it dropped, and that was going on all day. And when I would stand, I, it, it almost felt like my blood pressure dropped to my feet, and the room was literally, literally spinning, and so I would have to hold on to something. Deb is an attorney in Oakland, California, outside San Francisco. She works on lawsuits mostly related to real estate. She's also an accomplished athlete who has participated in triathlon competitions. Back in 2005, Deb came down with a bad flu and stayed in bed for 10 days. But problems persisted for a few months. Then in her mid-30s, she remembers shaking a lot, had night sweats, cold sweats. One morning, she got out of bed and fell. She then started experiencing double vision. Deb went to a hospital emergency room and was told it may be a lingering effect of the flu, but her symptoms worsened. And I went in and I saw the doctor and um, he did a bunch of tests, uh, you know, almost like... 
you know, you see on TV, people get pulled over for drunk driving. You have to kind of walk a straight line and they hold the finger up in front of your eyes and, you know, walk, you know, hop on one foot, that type of thing. And he did that for about 10 minutes and uh, was just kind of staring at me. And I said, what's going on? Do I have a ear infection? I had a really bad flu. I haven't felt great since then. And I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday. He said, well, my dear, you're showing signs of multiple sclerosis or a lesion on your brainstem. And I, I mean, talk about the blood rushing out of your body. I, that, I mean, I, I looked at him and I made this wheelchair motion with my hands. I said, MS? And he said, yes. I recently visited Deb Graceffa at her yellow stucco house in the quiet Excelsior neighborhood of San Francisco's Mission District. She has no need for a wheelchair and easily prepares tea for me. But her health prospects looked much grimmer at the onset of her symptoms. The doctor suggested Deb get an MRI scan, after which she spent a nervous few days of waiting, but the results were inconclusive. Deb was then referred to a neurologist who had a different take. He said, I don't want to alarm you. I can't exactly rule out MS yet because you haven't had all the tests that you need to have because it's, it's you know, there's functional tests like the MRI and there are blood tests. Even if you were to have it, the chances of you have it are, you know, less than 35%. A doctor tells you the prospect of your having a severe illness is less than 35%. How do you process a calculation like that? Well, it seemed a lot better to me then. My, well, my dear, it's, it seems like you have MS. I mean, at that point, it was a step up for me. But the deteriorating symptoms and medical mystery persisted. And at this point, Deb says she looked like she'd had a stroke. Bell's palsy, a form of facial paralysis, afflicted one side of her face. She was now limping, too. I had a number of doctors in a row tell me you are just stressed. And um, oh, what, what, you know, what do you do for a profession? Well, I'm a litigator. Well, you, it just sounds like you're a, you know, you're a lawyer, you're stressed out. Um, and I say, yes, I am stressed out because no one can tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> and I think the stress of not getting help is exacerbating the symptoms I'm having. After consulting with numerous other specialists over time, one doctor acknowledged to Deb that mainstream medicine had been unable to help her. She was finally referred to the University of California's Osher Center. I had never heard of it, and I really didn't know that much about integrative medicine at that point either. Um, but it was sort of presented to you as the last house on the block. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I was willing to try anything at that point. I've been going through this for years. Debilitating pain on a daily basis. How long, I mean, it had been years. Deb Graceffa then presented her cluster of difficult symptoms to physician Rick McKinney. Perhaps in a straight conventional practice, they might have been shocking, and, and especially shocking to also know that she had seen a neurologist already and, and had an MRI, and neither the MRI or the neurologist could offer anything to her. Um, but in in a practice of integrative medicine, this is a kind of patient I see a lot. Explain that. People who choose to go out of their way to make it through the scheduling system and get in to see me are people who sometimes are motivated by their dissatisfaction with, with conventional medicine and don't have any dramatic problems, but very often are people with dramatic problems that are not well addressed by conventional medicine. 
Dr. McKinney walked in and he came right up to me and he, he looked me in the eye and shook my hand and said hello and called me by name. And um, had a, he had a very calming presence. Um, the thing that immediately struck me about him is he had kind of an old school medicine bag in his hand, which I thought was neat. I mean, I collect antiques and I was immediately, you know, kind of drawn to it and thought, I haven't seen that in a very long time. <laughs> I can't remember actually seeing that since I was a kid. Um, so I thought that that was pretty neat. And um, it was kind of like a roll back to the days when the doctors actually sat down, knew your name, and talked to you. With his shoulder-length hair, earring, and turquoise necklace, Dr. Rick McKinney may not fit the traditional stereotype of an old-fashioned family doctor. Work in the city, I drive across the bridge. A couple minutes later, I'm home. I decompress walking down the dock, and I get to rock myself to sleep. Rick McKinney chatted with me on the houseboat where he and his wife reside in Sausalito, California. He reflected on the advantages of the style of medical practice he has chosen at the Osher Center across the bay. In the usual integrated medicine setting, I get a lot more time with people. And one of the principal things I do is I give that patient enough time that they have felt heard that I am spending time with them to tell their story. I'm listening closely, I'm paying attention, I'm asking questions because I want to be sure I understand their story because it's going to tell me what I need to know. And also because that experience of really being heard is therapeutic for the patient. Um, Makes me smarter about them and it makes them know that we haven't stopped at 10 minutes because I got to get on to do the exam. And then the, the rooms actually, uh, the, examining, the rooms. examining rooms are different than your typical sterile, you know, there's a bed and a chair. Patient Deb Graceffa. They feel like a living room. And there's actually, I was always struck, there was a, um, there's like a dresser in each room, which, you know, to me, I thought, that's not all that functional. <laughs> like, what's that for? But after a while, I realized, like, this feels like conversation in somebody's living room. And so it felt a lot less clinical, a lot less, you're sitting in a cold room with fluorescent lights. Um, it felt to be a much more intimate setting. In puzzling through Deb Graceffa's medical problems, Dr. McKinney had to consider the theory previously put forth by other physicians that her physical symptoms were caused by emotional distress. More so than in most conventional practice, integrative healthcare recognizes the medical importance of a person's state of mind how we process life's aggravations, and how we calm down. I knew that I couldn't rule it out, but I knew also that as an experienced clinician, I have a certain nose for that. And I I get a sense that, oh, this person is clearly really anxious or really wound up. But with Deb, I didn't get any sense for that at all. And Deb seemed like a woman who was suffering and that... If we looked hard enough, we would likely find something else. And he said, well, well, we'll work on this together. I mean, I felt like he and I were working on this, and I wasn't the, you know, the patient. He's the doctor. I mean, that's who we are, the patient and the doctor. But I felt like we were working on this together. And he listened, and he listened, and uh, he did a physical exam. And I was in there for an hour and a half, I think. Um, which to me seems to be a shockingly a long time based on how many 
other appointments I had had in 15 minutes. He said, you know, I'm not sure, but I think this may be your stomach. And I said, oh. Dr. McKinney wondered if Deb was experiencing what physicians refer to as increased intestinal permeability, informally known as leaky gut. It's a syndrome that gastroenterologists who treat the digestive system don't yet fully understand. But some integrative practitioners recommend that patients take culinary seeds like anise and fennel, as well as combinations of medicinal herbs. Our first treatment with her was to to treat this suspected leaky gut syndrome. What in her story suggested that The combination of a, a woman who had been very healthy and, in fact, a super healthy athlete who had sudden onset of symptoms that included weird neurologic symptoms and a lot of GI symptoms. Dr. McKinney helped Deb identify possible problems with her diet. She decided to go off canola oil in cooking because it may have been a factor in digestive upset. And he prescribed a combination of medicinal plants. So Swedish bitters was one of the things uh, he told me to take, which... That's that's a well-known herbal remedy. Right, and it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't even leaf, root, stem, black snake root, I don't know what any of this is, cinnamon bark. But um, it, uh, I would take it before I ate and sometimes after. The theory is, is that this virus I had um, wreaked havoc on my system, may have caused some kind of encephalitis type thing, and threw my body off and my stomach was kind of the last piece to heal. Once we cleared up my stomach, the rest of the stuff receded. I've had no problems. And you're feeling okay now? Yeah, I feel good. I feel really good. Deb Graceffa's recovery drew on several principles of integrative health. Dr. McKinney carved out ample time to listen to Deb and treat her as a partner in the healing process. This allowed genuine rapport to develop. And rather than automatically leaping to use of drugs, they focused on modifying Deb's diet and trying natural herbs. Listening to The Search for Well-Being, a Humankind special series, I'm David Freudberg. At our website, we've compiled details about common techniques of integrative health care. You can also download audio or obtain a CD copy of this program. For all of this, please visit humanmedia.org. by medical pioneers to take a more holistic approach to health care, to make it more responsive to the whole person and less dependent on technology and pharmaceuticals, was relegated to the sidelines for decades. Integrative care had long met with resistance from the medical establishment and health insurers. Physician Dean Ornish in Sausalito, California, has been an unwavering voice for change. Well, the way that medicine's currently practiced is profoundly unsatisfying both for patients and doctors. If you have to see a new patient every eight minutes, you don't have time to talk about what's most important. You don't have time to talk about what's going on in their marriage or in their kids or at school or at work. 
You know, you basically have time to listen to the heart and lungs. You write a progress note, a prescription. You're off to the next patient. It's, it's not fun for the patient or the doctor. It's why doctors, most doctors wouldn't recommend medicine as a career for their kids. Is that, is that an established fact? It's an established fact. And it's why um, more money is spent out of pocket for uh, uh, so-called alternative medicine than for traditional medicine. Because whatever the modality, whether it's massage or chiropractic or acupuncture, whatever it happens to be, what do they do? The, they, they talk to you. They touch you. They listen to you. They don't interrupt you. You know, the studies show the average doctor interrupts his or her patients 14 seconds after they start talking, which is understandable if you only have eight or nine minutes total to, time to see a patient. But it's hard to feel a sense of connection and community if someone's interrupting you, if you only have a few minutes to see somebody. Most health care in America is practiced under these difficult, time-stressed conditions. But as the nation has grappled with ways to reform how we provide medical services, one fact looms over everything. The vast majority of U.S. health care expenditures, three-fourths, relate to consequences of our lifestyle behaviors. Three-fourths is a staggering number. Is that accurate? It is. In Washington, Jeffrey Levy directs the Trust for America's Health. He was appointed by President Obama to chair the Prevention Advisory Group, established by the Affordable Care Act when the health care overhaul became law in 2010. The biggest drivers of health care costs in the United States are chronic diseases associated with physical inactivity, poor nutrition, and tobacco use. Um, so when we think of anything related to obesity, and so we're talking about diabetes and hypertension, heart disease and stroke, um, and certain cancers, um, and then when you add a layer on tobacco use, which obviously relates to cancer and heart disease, we're, we're talking about the bulk of spending in the United States. Another huge factor influencing our health is how we manage stress. Feeling overwhelmed can lead to headaches, sleep problems, high blood pressure, and other effects. But while stress can trigger or aggravate many health problems, it can also be hard to pin down. For Dr. Dean Ornish, understanding these dynamics developed from his medical journey of working with heart patients beginning in the 1970s. I got interested in doing research in this area, and I took a year off between my second and third years of medical school. And I took 10 men and women, put them in a hotel for a month, and put them on this uh, intensive lifestyle program that included uh, a low-fat, whole-foods, plant-based diet, yoga and meditation to manage stress, uh, moderate exercise, and more love and intimacy in a, in a very uh, safe and, and powerful uh, community that we created. And we found that they got better. They got better in just a month, that the blood flow to the heart improved, their Chest pain went away completely in most cases, and uh, that got me interested in doing what ended up being a lifetime of studies and, and work in this area. Today, Dr. Ornish, author of many bestsellers on health, including The Spectrum, is widely credited as a pathfinder in integrative medicine. It's a very simple idea, a radical idea in the sense of radical meaning to get to the root of something. And uh, sometimes when I lecture, I show a cartoon of doctors busily mopping up the floor around a sink that's overflowing, but nobody's turning off the faucet. It's kind of like now when they say, take these medications to lower your blood pressure or your cholesterol or whatever it happens to be. And the patient says, how long do I have to take these? And they, they say, well, forever. 
Like, how long do I have to mop up the floor? Like, forever. Well, why don't we just turn off the faucet? What Dr. Ornish means is to connect the dots between cause and effect. Lifestyle changes like eating more healthfully, exercising more regularly, learning relaxation skills, and stopping use of tobacco can significantly improve a person's health. And if disease is already present, it does need to be addressed. Jeff Levy. There are times when you need medicine and there's time when you need lifestyle change. And what the right balance is is obviously going to be determined on an individual basis. But a clinician, and this is where we need to do a lot of retraining, I think, clinicians need to be thinking about both as equivalent options that are being considered in working with a patient. But that's not happening now. I don't think it's happening systematically. Um, And why? The perversity of how we reimburse for health care in this country takes a lot less time to write a prescription than have a conversation with a patient about lifestyle and then provide that individual with the support they need to sustain those lifestyle changes. The successful lifestyle changes are not a one-off conversation between a doctor and a patient. Successful lifestyle changes change provides support to sustain those changes. Anyone who's struggled to lose weight or keep up an exercise routine knows how hard it can be to maintain lifestyle changes. And this is where the new era of health care, including President Obama's Affordable Care Act and certain new Medicaid rules, may make a difference. Coverage will be available for the services of some community health workers and health coaches who counsel individuals in making healthy changes. Dr. Dean Ornish. Diabetes and prediabetes are affecting a third of Americans now will affect half of Americans in the next seven or eight years at a cost of over $3 trillion. It's completely not sustainable. And the studies are showing that treating, uh, getting your blood sugar down with drugs doesn't work nearly as well as doing it with lifestyle. If you can get someone's blood sugar down with lifestyle changes, as we've shown over and over again, you can prevent all of the human costs, the, the blindness and kidney failure and impotence and heart attacks and strokes and liver damage and so on, um, and the huge economic costs, if you can do it through lifestyle, much better so than with drugs. It helps your body increase the insulin made in your pancreas and decrease sugar made in your liver to lower blood sugar. We in American society have really been conditioned to think that whatever our problem is, there's going to be a pill that will help fix it. And what's wrong with that? Well, there are some instances where lifestyle change actually is better and more effective than taking a pill. Jeff Levy of the government's Prevention Advisory Group. You know, the Diabetes Prevention Program is probably the model for that, where one group was given Metaform and the other group was given, uh, which is a drug, and another group was given a lifestyle intervention, significantly better outcomes with lifestyle intervention in preventing progression to diabetes. We did a demonstration project, for example, with Mutual of Omaha, where they found they saved $30,000 per patient in the first year. 
Dr. Dean Ornish has developed a model for lifestyle change by patients for which he's trained health professionals throughout the United States. One of his heart patients is former President Bill Clinton, who shifted to a plant-based diet and succeeded in losing considerable weight. When Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield tried it, more than 85% of patients adhered to lifestyle change after the first year. The results persuaded not only insurance companies, but also the government. And it produced a dramatic change. In 2010, the Ornish Program for Reversing Heart Disease was approved for Medicare reimbursement, a goal Dean Ornish says he worked 16 years to achieve. The doctor is the quarterback, and he or she works with a nurse, a yoga teacher, which we call a stress management instructor, an exercise physiologist, a dietitian, and a psychologist, and they all work together. And patients come for 72 hours of training, which we break down into 18 four-hour sessions. They get an hour of yoga and meditation, an hour of supervised exercise, an hour of a support group, which is really the, the key, and an hour of a group meal with a lecture. Now, the doctor is really not providing those 72 hours of training for the most part. He or she can actually be in their office seeing other patients. They have to be physically present. They're overseeing the care of the patient, but it allows them to leverage their time by doing what they do best, but having other people working under their auspices and direction to provide the other aspects of the program, which Medicare and other insurance companies are now reimbursing. The benefits of healthy lifestyle change include fewer doctor's visits, fewer tests, decreased need for prescription drugs, reduced emergency room visits, and fewer readmissions to hospitals, all of which help individuals and can cut health care costs to a potentially significant degree. But there is an obstacle, says Jeff Levy of the government's prevention advisory group. We are expecting... um, people to dramatically change their lifestyle in an environment that does not encourage it. Whether it's around what kind of food we promote or how we construct our communities to make them drivable rather than walkable, um, or just what our expectations are about what people do with their free time. Um, I, yeah, I, these are all part of a piece that needs to create the culture shift. And part of that shift is built into the federal health care overhaul. The Affordable Care Act created a large program called Community Transformation Grants. These support state and local efforts that promote smoking cessation, healthy diet, and more physical activity. And to naysayers, Jeff Levy says concrete progress is possible. You know, we did that to some degree with tobacco. I mean, yes, there were interventions around taxes and smoke-free environments and all that sort of thing. And they all made a difference, but they, in combination, also changed our cultural views, whether, you know, smoking is something to be encouraged or discouraged. It's not like we have one set of diet and lifestyle recommendations for reversing heart disease and a different one for prostate cancer and a different one for diabetes and a different one for your genes. Physician Dean Ornish in Sausalito, California. It's the same program for all of these things. We don't even target people and say, we want to get you to lose weight or we want to get you to do this. It's like, how do you live a healthier, more joyful life? What we need to take is what Jonas Salk said over 40 years ago, we need an epidemic of health. Physician Brian Berman directs the University of Maryland Center for Integrative Medicine. And we need everybody to get on board. 
at this point in time from the from people from the communities from the health professionals from the politicians from the ones building our environment and, and we can we can turn this around but we need to do it we need to do it now we don't have the luxury uh, that we may have thought we had Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg, studio recording by Antonio Oliart Rose, editorial assistance from Susan Bauer Wu, Lisa Mullins, Dr. Leo Stolbach, David McDevitt, Mark Hilstein, Thomas Royal, and Kathy Graham, webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions, program development provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, part two of The Search for Well-Being, is Humankind program number 199. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.